0: Happy New Year and welcome to the Dream Nation podcast. This is the first episode of 2018. I'm really excited to bring it to you. And I want to remind you that the show is open to advertisers. So you hear me speaking right now. That's great but your ad could be here and my voice can be talking about your product right here so get in touch with me if you're interested in advertising on the show and uh, the best way to do that is to send me an email at yulia at dreamnation.io or you can reach me on instagram twitter facebook linkedin i'm everywhere on this episode i bring you alison tafel-rabinowitz who runs a company called the finishing school where she teaches people how to be the beyonce of their career and we're going to help you negotiate your life and your career in 2018. So take a listen and enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Dream Nation. We are doing a live video right now for a podcast with Allison on negotiations. She runs a <laughs> course called How to Be the Beyonce of Your Career. And we're going to talk all about negotiations. And I guess we're live, so hopefully we have people coming in for some questions or not. It's totally cool because we'll just replay it. So... Awesome. Uh, <laughs> So I started out my Dream Nation podcast by asking each guest, "What was your dream as a kid?"
1: Oh gosh, my dream as a kid—I'll try to tell this short, story short. But um, I've always liked writing and um, journalist at heart since I was a little kid, um, with post-it notes that kept me busy, like writing little novels to other people. And um, when I was about 10 years old, I got a job at CNN as a child news reporter. <laughs> Um, and it happened very strange way. I entered some contest on USA Today for a child news reporter. I was a little bit of an eccentric kid that was obsessed with Charlie Chaplin. So my dad took me to the R-rated movie, Chaplin, with Robert Downey Jr. And I was 10 and probably didn't understand half of it, but wrote a review, sent it into USA Today. And um, they did a whole thing, uh, a whole spread in the, in the newspaper and they said, an honorable mention to me, I didn't get chosen. And they were like, for her uh, advanced movie, mature movie taste. And someone, a casting director called my dad. All my dad did was tell me that we were going on a special tour of CNN. And to me, I was like, yes, they get to pretend to be a newscaster. So they put me behind the camera and like did soundovers And I was like, hi, this is Alison Tafel for Real News for Kids. And I ended up getting to take over the job of the girl from Mighty Ducks when she went to go film Mighty Ducks 2, so I got to review movies, and I think I fell in love right there. I always knew that I was an artistic kid or an indoor kid. I wasn't good at any sports, even though I tried, but I found that, and I was very lucky. You know, I work with students all over the place that have that WTF I do with my life, you know, and I'm very lucky that I came to that at an early age, and I thank my dad for making that opportunity happen in such a Natural way that didn't push me like a like a parent who's like a Hollywood parent, you know
0: How did you become passionate about startups funding and negotiations?
1: So let's start with the startup thing. I worked in magazines for about 10 years and when the economy really crashed in 2008 um, I just had to get a job at a magazine I didn't I didn't know where but I was like applying all over the place and Actually landed at Inc magazine and I was not interested in it at first. I really wanted to be over at Fast Company but I fell in love with the entrepreneurial world there because at that time, I was coming from getting laid off at Rolling Stone, which was my dream job that ended up really sucking. Um, And when I went to Inc, I was like, oh my gosh, the new rock stars are entrepreneurs. And I just loved the energy of creating something from nothing. I was working with the fastest growing companies in America and I caught that bug. And so the last Inc 5000, so I was there for four years, and at the last Inc 5000 conference I said, I'm not going to like just hang out with my friends from Inc Magazine. I'm going to work the room and I'm going to find an entrepreneur to partner up with and launch a startup. And so I did it. Hello, Ilya Posen. And we launched OpenMe.com that was later acquired about a year and
0: a half later. It was a greeting
1: card startup in partnership with Threadless.
0: Oh, that's awesome yeah
1: it was really really great and a great experience because you I went through the ups and downs of startup life which people don't always talk about all of it it sounds really glamorous and it's a lot of imposter syndrome um, and uh, I joke with people I'm like yeah I launched a startup it was acquired I own like 15,000 shares of nothing <laughs> um, but you know what? I'm still proud that something like you created like a baby I actually launched it with Ilya and our head of product, Brad, the day after I got married. So it was my first baby.
0: (laughs) You know what, how did you approach Threadless?
1: So the original idea came out of Threadless and it was supposed to be a get out of jail free card site for men where we would license the artwork for Threadless. But I sat down with them and I, male founders, and I was the only woman on the team. And I said, hey guys, I did some social listening. Men don't talk about cards, scrapbooks, holidays pictures any of these things on social media who talks about it women so this idea of like getting someone to think of a holiday before even thinking of a holiday you're adding this level of thoughtfulness that i'm sorry guys you know you're not doing would a woman pre-send a card that she didn't forget yeah probably but the idea completely changed there and so i started licensing artwork from both etsy artists and um threadless artists. and threadless was like a great promotional arm for us in terms of helping us reach out to an already existing audience, but I didn't end up using just Threadless because to me, Threadless was Urban Outfitters and I needed a mix of Urban Outfitters and Anthropology because a woman may send a more male type card to a male, a woman may send a more female type card to a female, Um, but the whole original idea was not gonna work. And actually all of that is not even why the company sold. It's kind of interesting.
0: (laughs) I love cards because you know I still I like tactile things like we're becoming more and more digital and it's just so nice to get something that is like physical. Well actually the idea
1: was that you know like passing a card around the office so um, the idea was how do you make How do you create thoughtfulness in the digital world because you aren't getting those and you know how we save them in little boxes and we go through whether it's like our parents or our friends from college or old boyfriends, whatever it is, old girlfriends, Um, you know, we don't we didn't have that anymore. So With this company, we were able to make a card, let you sign it online with different handwriting, integrate Facebook pictures, let someone else sign it in California, let someone else sign it in Georgia, and we'll get to Philadelphia to your grandma as a printed card with multiple signatures from all over um, the country or world for that matter oh, so, so cool. it was really really cool and um, we ended up doing a bunch of cart birthday cards for celebrities so like Betty White or RuPaul and I just write the social media person and I'd say hey I made an awesome birthday card will you post it and social media people are always looking for things to post and they'd put it up there and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would write messages to these people especially RuPaul like how much she inspired them and It was amazing to see, but that was the user acquisition play there. So the thousands of people that signed up, those people became members of OpenMe and before Facebook stopped letting outside apps gather birthday information for like gifting triggers. So say, I know that your mom likes this and shops at Macy's and blah, 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 blah. Like Facebook stopped letting people gather that information after I'd already gotten to a million with the company. So that data is what sold my baby of that thoughtfulness idea. still exists on the web, openme.com. You can still send e-cards. The printed card is closed now. But um, it's really interesting when you go to create a product and it sells for data, but that happens a lot. But it's just nice to see that someone else found value in it even if it doesn't live on as what I originally imagined.
0: Yeah, a lot of things morph, right? And you just gotta let them go into their own universe, like a child, right? It grows up and you don't really know what they're Oh my gosh,
1: is. this is like a child that like, I sometimes get a picture of if I want to look at the picture, but it's weird.
0: <laughs> so how did that bring you to negotiations and funding, which is what your work yeah. are about? Yeah,
1: so towards the end of the startup life, before we were acquired, it started to kind of dwindle with money. And I got, was it a, it wasn't a G chat. I got like, or G chat, something. It was like firing me in some weird like way or whatever. And I called the head of product. I was like, good luck, man, like doing this by yourself. And then like he calls me back after I get out of the subway and is like, no, I just got fired over G chat. And I was like, OK, so I think i had been learning from these speakers, um, you know, all the, the tips and tricks of the Tim Ferrises of the world or, you know, and they would tell you, like, how to be productive and how to, um, you know, be a successful business person and anything from negotiation to business development.
0: And I'm like, they're all written by white men. They are. They're I love all Tim Ferriss. Written. Come on my show. <laughs> I've been stalking you. I've been emailing you. I've been tweeting you. You have very few women on the show have me on the show. I'll talk about funding. I'll talk about a lot of stuff. up. Like a lot of the women talk about relationships. Just come on my show. And his
1: advice me. is great. And and that's what it, so I sat there and it's kind of ironic. Let's pink wash for a second. <laughs> um, I sat there with piles of books in my living room, right. When the startup ended and I'd already been deep into that from working at Inc and writing my own business advice for these entrepreneurs through branded content stuff. And I was like sitting in the living room. I was like, My first thought was, I'm gonna read all of this because I went crazy during startup life, which could be a whole nother podcast. And I was like, there's advice out here, but is it for me? Will it help me? And I knew that I was pivoting big time. I went from 10 years of magazines to a startup and all of a sudden like I didn't know how to define myself, didn't know what I wanted. And so I started reading all these things and I was like, wow, like all of this advice is really tough for a woman to say without the Hillary complex right without feeling like we're too aggressive versus assertive or you know the language just didn't work so i took all these books i read all of them and i was like wrote out the language i thought would work i pitched it to general assembly i was the only all female class for general assembly that sold out for 4 years shout Gen- out
0: to general assembly
1: but shout out to general assembly bringing my class back because you cut the only class for women sorry guys but please bring me back like People loved it.
0: We should do a partnership with General Assembly. I've been talking to them about events, Oh, that's great. hey, General Assembly, we're going to loop around to talking to you about doing cool stuff together. Yeah,
1: definitely. And um, so it just started with the General Assembly class. Like, I pitched it. I was so excited. And my mom was a teacher her whole life. and, And what I learned from my mom was that if you can find something that you do in life that feeds life into you then you will love your job every day. And my mom battled ovarian cancer for 11 years and was in the classroom with her kids up until the minute she went into ICU. So, you know, we all find these jobs where we're like working for the company and something kind of changed in me during startup life that you could be a part of owning something. And even, it can be stressful, having your own thing is definitely stressful, you know? But I think there's something that is life fulfilling when you can find something that you would work and do until the minute you died. Like I know that's like dark, and but that is what my mom taught me and I think it was a really important thing to teach me that she probably didn't realize that she did.
0: You have to get up in the morning and you have to be really excited about what you do. You have to jump out of bed and you gotta love it. And if you're not in love with what you're doing, take a moment to not do anything like center, sit there for a while and go, what do I wanna do? And what do I want 2018 to be? Because this is not working. Change your life, change your dream.
1: And you can do that. People are very scared, like they stay in in jobs and the minute that you feel uncomfortable, you waited too long.
0: Yeah, and it's same with relationships too, which brings me to the topic of gender pay, right? And negotiations. You say that if women don't negotiate at the start of their career, they can lose up to $600,000 by the time that they're 60 years old. And money has a lot of power for women and men as well, but you know, that gives them a chance to leave a bad relationship, a bad job. Exactly. Money is freedom. In your course, How to Be a Beyonce of Your Career, let's talk about the things that one will learn in your class.
1: Yes, definitely. Well, the first thing that I talk about, and we kind of just touched on it, but it's the confidence gap. Like We have a problem with confidence for women, and it goes back all the way to like how we were taught when we were younger. Um, we were rewarded if we said, you know, if, if we were good. And we learned these, what, what I call manners, which is why um, I have an organization called the TheFinishingSchool.co. If you look up The Finishing School, I always have to tell people this, it's a kind of fun fact. Um, if you just put The Finishing School in there, you will find lots of porn. Porn's great, no hate on porn, but you gotta, you gotta put the TheFinishingSchool.co, otherwise you're gonna get porn. So, help with career, FinishingSchool.co. Getting off, porn, finishing school. <laughs> There we go, but um, going back to the question you were asking, what do we teach? So So the idea of the finishing school and the idea behind what I teach is that we learn these manners and that we need to unlearn those and that those things aren't working for us anymore. And so I go through like, why are we here? What happened? And what do we need to do to create an environment and a message for ourselves that shows our value. Because if you don't know your value, you can't ask for the extra money because when you're asking for the extra money, you always have to give them your value of why. So it's like this cyclical thing, um, even down to the fact that I have women who look at jobs and they'll be like, I know how to do this, this, this. Oh, I don't know how to do Photoshop. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. So the man, applies to that job, he sees all those things, he doesn't disqualify himself at all. He just applies. He'll let them disqualify it. But if a woman looks at it, she just disqualifies herself. But the trick is, and you guys know this, most people will, or most men, men, and very smart women as well, um, will get that job and then find either a junior person or a consultant to do that one thing that they don't know how to do because they're awesome at all the other things. So I always encourage women to look at it like that and to really get a hold of what their value is. Um, And then I go into script because there's no way that, that what I teach them to say, you say this, they say this, they say this, you say this. I have a whole script for people, but until you've gotten the confidence and know your personal story and know what you want and have a narrative for all of that, you really can't get to the point of negotiation. You have to hop over that first leap of dealing with that and just being okay with, you know what? I'm awesome and I'm a top performer and people are gonna hire me because the work that I do.
0: And it's the same for startups too when they're approaching funding, right? You have to create your own stories. So what advice do you give startups and also individuals as well in regards to finding their story? I know my story. I am my story. Yes, like, I have it. It needs to be fine-tuned a little bit, but I know who I am since <laughs> I like, popped out of the womb. Yeah, and not everybody has that
1: yeah. happen to them. I mean. Uh, Like I said, I'm lucky that that CNN thing happened and it gave me a lot of like, okay, I want to go into media and went to, you know, worked in newspapers, worked in magazines, worked in radio, all that kind of stuff. But not everybody has that. So when I do individual sessions with people, um, people kind of joke that I'm sort of like more of a job therapist or career therapist or even life therapist, but I hate the word life coach, so please never call me that. I don't even like the word career coach. I like to help people have the life that they want. The store is the most Mm -hmm. important thing and I'm going to give you A guy advice thing but you can bring it over into your own language and that's the most important thing is not to just follow something but to digest it and think how do I authentically use this advice in my own voice because we don't have to be just like men we're women and we're different and we come with our superpowers I get really frustrated when I meet an amazing woman who doesn't know how amazing she is and I know we all go through that but The story is so important. So one of the things that I always watch is Simon Sinek's TED Talk uh, about getting to the why. I suggest it to everyone because you can look at it as how do you develop your product to have a product story, but you can also look at it for your personal story. And um, I won't go into the whole thing. Just watch it. Simon Sinek, getting to the why. He's another white guy, entrepreneur, business guy. But I'm telling you, that's how I did what I did was I watched all these things and I thought, how do I say this? How will women feel more comfortable saying this and how can we use this? Otherwise, it's just a floating stream of fast company articles that make you feel bad about how productive you should be by 5 a.m. You know,
0: that's another topic I wanna to do a podcast on, which is burnout. Um, people think they have to work themselves to death and that's that's not it. It's not healthy for your relationship, for yourself. Killing yourself is just dumb. Like. No amount of money is worth
1: it. Gosh, I could give you a whole nother podcast about mental health in the startup world. We should do that one. It's definitely... Easily. um, It's definitely some crazy stories. I have a Medium article uh, that I wrote out there, if if you look me up, uh, that was just the beginning of an idea, and I have a Mm -hmm. lot of thoughts on that, because... I became medicated from startup Play. <laughs> Happy to, to say that because I feel like other people need to know that that's okay. Yeah. Whatever you need to do to get through it, because it has such a beautiful side. but you have to take care of yourself. You and you have to have a network of other people who can talk to, who get it, other entrepreneurs. And like I will never forget. I called um, someone from a networking organization for entrepreneurship who I'd worked very closely with at Inc. Um, a man, and I'd helped him with a lot to grow his business and I said, "You know i 'm really having a tough time. Can you connect me with another female entrepreneur that I can talk to and he said i'm sorry, my network is my net worth. Mm. yeah, got it and you know, so I had to find them on my own, and it 's tough because so a lot of female, even me, like I'm feeling a little imposter syndrome giving advice to other people. Cause I'm like, Oh, I
0: went crazy and I don't want to scare other people. Oh, you know crazy. I, <laughs> I went crazy after my startup and I did it because I went through a divorce, a startup and then a breakup. Oh and living God. Too close. So oh, that's God. like. So I did a lot of meditation and yoga. That was the only thing. I joined Equinox. And, like, I love Equinox. And that was, like, what kept me sane. I mean, I'm sure I was a little moody here and there, but...
1: I will tell you, it needs to be way more than medication to get you through startup life. Like, you have to have boundaries. And that's the thing that I learned because my whole team was in West Coast and I was the only New Yorker. And I was also doing biz dev. So I was hitting the pavement all the time. So it was, like, this lonely life plus being around a lot of people all the time to like pitch the idea like it was, I was pitching OpenMe before it even existed. Like it was the best card site that had ever existed and it, I didn't know what it was gonna look like. So it was mm-hmm. it was a little scary, but but still really happy with the experience.
0: Yeah, I really would love to talk about the advice that you give for people who want to negotiate a new salary. And a lot of people don't know that you can also negotiate a severance package as well.
1: Oh, let's tell them about that because there's a company right now that starts with a B and sounds like a what a sound a bee makes. It was in the newspaper, so everyone knows. But they're about to have some layoffs. If not, had them this week, big time. And I've been sending around little messages to people, being like, please put me in touch with your B F friends um because i would like to help them because people don't realize that they can negotiate severance and they just you know what happens is they you know it's bagel wednesday you get the bagel and then all of a sudden the hr person like tips you taps you, and you're like you know what's happening you wave bye to like the person sitting next to you because you know what's happening and you walk in and they hand you that piece of paper and they're like i think you'll be happy with this and you open it up and it's like two weeks and you're like uh you know So I'll give you my little story of how I had a really successful one and um, how I've helped other people. So I had a job um, where I was recruited pretty hardcore uh, and negotiated a really crazy salary and title and all that stuff. And the business decided to turn into a different business and they were going to close shop of that. And I hadn't been there long enough to even get unemployment. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had other job opportunities. Like I said no to all that stuff. And I walked in to the room knowing what was going on. And my boss kind of had a tear going down her face. And I looked at her and I said, this isn't, she was like, it's nothing you did, blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know, it's not. And you like me and I like you. And we established that when you interviewed me. I was like, what's not cool is that you weren't able to project your finances within four months to hire me as aggressively as you did. And I was like, I've done a good job. I was like, "I and I don't understand what's going on with your company, but I was like, But I rolled up the thing, I put it in my bag. This is really funny. When I stood up, it looked like I threw a chair. So I like to say I threw a chair, but I didn't really. It just fell over, but it might've looked like it. And I walked over to the door and I said, get back to me and give me 10 weeks severance and walked out the door. And I had been teaching negotiation for a while. So I guess I had the chutzpah to do it a little more. They came back with seven weeks severance plus three of my bonuses that I would've gotten. And I would've just gotten two weeks. People who had been there forever, got 2 weeks. I asked, just ask.
0: Asking.
1: Ask for more. Never just take it. Never say thank you. Like especially like I that's my biggest rule. I make people at the top of their notes, right? Shut the fuck up. At the top um, or STF or whatever. Uh, I I didn't know if I can cuss. Is this HBO? It's not HBO. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But um but I always tell them, don't say thank you. That's one of my number one rules in negotiation in general. It stops the conversation. It's sound and it's what we as women want to say. We're we're so grateful for the opportunity that they would give us this job. F that, like we're top performers and we should get that job, right? So just ask. That's the first of all. Don't say thank you to them firing you and giving you a uh, giving you a piece of paper. Like always say like I need some time to think about this. But ask right at, right there where they say and back it up with your business, uh, like why you added to the company. And with that being said, I always tell people I I'm of the world of paper because I went and loved, still love books and magazines and worked in that, I get a legal notepad as soon as I start a job and I literally write down everything I've done. Now this is not like responsibilities, this is wins. I did this to this and that helps me later on so I don't forget that to put that in a resume or for a personal narrative about what I did in that job that will help me get another job. Um, but I think it's really, really important to write that down and then you'll have it in your head And then when they fire you, you can be like, I've done this, 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 this. And then you have a story. It's not like, "Mm, I just want more money because you're firing me. It's like, you should pay me more money because X, 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 Mm -hmm. X, X. If you sound confident, like a lot of people start crying when they get fired.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, and also you can also negotiate your firing too. Because 10 years ago, I wanted to go freelance, but I was scared and I didn't have enough money saved up to go freelance because they weren't paying me enough to go freelance. So I couldn't really save up any money and I knew that layoffs were coming because every two years this company purged because it's an ad agency and they're a great ad agency and we had fun. But I approached the HR director and I said, hey, um, you know, I'm thinking about going freelance and uh, I know there are probably going to be layoffs coming up and you probably don't have anybody walking into the office asking to be laid off, but I am. So. You know, if we can, like, do a severance package and if you can lay me off, I would gladly sacrifice myself for budget cuts. Huh. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, I know this is weird, but, like, this is, I want to I want to be free.
1: But how many people wouldn't think to do that? Nobody like, would do
0: that. And I've been freelancing for 10 years and he gave me an incredible career where I met all these amazing people and he gave me the flexibility to do my podcast and it made me happy because I, I wasn't happy in my job.
1: I, I think that that's, it's... It's so good to have this skill, and it's funny we're talking about how to negotiate getting fired before the salary, but I'll quickly say this. Um, I recently had a student who is a killer student. Um, She called me. She knew she was about to get fired, and with cause on their side, right? It wasn't a good fit in general. And every single day she'd write me. She went to one of my classes, and she'd be like, I, I have to quit that like, this is like driving my, you know, I'm going crazy. I'm losing confidence. I'm like losing sleep, I'm getting sick. And I know she hated me, but I was like, let me help you do this the right way where they pay you to fire you. So as she saw all of the like warning signs coming in, I said, I want you to write HR right now because her role had changed. What they originally wanted her to do, they were changing to something that she really wasn't as skilled at. And so she ended up, um, writing HR saying, you know, I have a feeling that there's some misalignment with what the company needs. And, um, you know, I'm more than happy to, you know, do whatever it is to to help with the team and to like learn more or to produce better work for you guys. um, But let's have a discussion about it. And she knew that they were going to HR about firing her. So she got ahead of it and they ended up saying, okay, you have two choices. We can either keep you on for two more weeks and pay you, and if you prove yourself in two weeks, then you'll keep your job, which is scary, right? Mm -hmm. Or two, we can let go of you now and pay you for two weeks. They paid her to fire her. (laughs) Like She not only did that, but they got her to fire her without firing her. It's more of a, um, what is it called, when they eliminate your position. So now she's on this awesome job search, finding something that's a much better fit for her.
0: It's a mental health day. It
1: really is. When
0: you find, you know when you're in a job that is like not your heart, and it's so important to find a job that is your heart and that aligns with your values because, I kind of get like really hippie about it. and I talk about being in the flow, right? There's a flow. Each one of us has our own flow and our own set of values that we associate with. And when you're doing something that doesn't align with your values, it's really hard. Your flow gets messed up. trying to reconnect. Oh, no. Our podcast got interrupted. Let's see. We're going to.
1: I feel like I should sing um, standby music. What should I sing? Um, After these messages, we'll be right back.
0: (laughs) And we're back hello hi we had a little break uh i guess it broadcasts for 30 minutes and probably turns off or our internet keeps on going out so we're back and we're going to talk about some success success stories stories. yeah
1: so um just going back sorry i think we got cut off um i was going to talk about one of my students who i'm the most proud of so she was in an agency uh and she was on the tech side and she dealt with a lot of racist and misogynistic behavior. And she also was paid like a third of what the people around her were being paid. And she was killer. She was a thought leader. She was talking at conferences all the time, like writing, like she was a fantastic candidate in general. And we got her out of there. She actually didn't take my class. She had a friend who took my class and then came to me as a private session. And we did two private sessions together to take away a little bit of her anger about what was going on, because she had legitimate reasons to be angry, but you have to get past that to get mm. to what you want.
0: Anger so, is not productive. It's
1: not productive and it doesn't make you any more money. You know, it was a lot of working on just the back and forth. And like, I think I said this to you before, one of the hardest questions to ask people sometimes is tell me about yourself. It's really hard to come up with the, what that little elevator pitch is. Um, she ended up negotiating with them. They flew her out to another city that she had interest in moving to. Um, she got to. They told her to check out the city and see if she wants to work there. And she got over a hundred thousand dollars more. Plus, they moved her to the city. Plus, they gave her stock. Plus, they gave her like all the opportunities for thought leadership that she wanted. And she's leader of her group there. And I'm just incredibly proud of her because she got through the BS and took away the emotion and just fueled herself with the tools that she needed to prove herself from a larger vision point. And I think that she's happier where she is. And I see it on Facebook. I'm like, all right, you're on the West Coast now. You're dressing more Patagonia than New York. (laughs) She's an awesome girl, but I'd say that was one of the big wins, but one win that I really love to tell was a girl who took my class and kind of cornered me right after class. She's like, I have a negotiation happening tomorrow. I was like, oh, God, because I usually do have sort of a, a waiting line after class. And I usually tell them I have to do a private session with you. But this girl just like had that look in her eye and she had walked me all the way to the train to Union Square. So I was like, all right, what's going on? She's like, tomorrow they're going to give me a promotion. They're going to sit me down in person and it's not going to be enough. And i was like okay i was like let's think about what we learned in class today so she said you know there's another guy in the company who started like after her who she found out was making as much if not more money than her and she handled the company's biggest client and had kept them coming back for four years so you knew that she had value at the company she said look alison i want to stay at the company i just think i should be making more money so I said, okay what's going to happen you're going to sit down and they're gonna say what? And she's like, they're gonna say, we're really excited to make you X position and to give you a raise of $5,000. I was like, that's where you say one thing. She was like, what? And I said, you say, that sounds like a great place to start. And it is hard to negotiate in person, especially if you've been working with people for a while. Like that feels aggressive, but she had value. And it happened that they had that conversation He went back to his boss, got her a much bigger raise, and walked over to her desk and said, I want you to know that you're getting the raise, yes, because you deserve it, but also because of the way you asked. And I said, you know, it was, she said that he said, you didn't come into my office and just like cry and say, you don't have enough money for rent or or whatever kind of things that we really cry about because we're not making enough money. It's expensive to be women. I think that she, because of the way she asked, That's why she got what she got and she was able to show her value. So she's like, I think that's a great place to start. This client has been with us for four years. They're really, really happy. I want to stay here. And, you know, I look at her and I think to myself, she's been in the company a long time and uh, she's married and when she's ready to have kids, she's going to be able to negotiate again because she does it the right way. And I was really proud of her for picking up enough in class and then the next day, like killing it the next day. So um, that doesn't always happen that like my students have the thing right happen like the day after class and you get home at 11 she practiced with her husband from like the mm-hmm. time she got home until the time she went to the interview.
0: Well, speaking of husbands too, right? Can people use your techniques to negotiate in their life? Like oh, can gosh. you
1: negotiate with your husband to get Can I more negotiate? Short? My husband is oh my. is a Good negotiator as well, because um, he read one of the same books that I take a lot of my inspiration, which is Ramit Sethi. Another male entrepreneur, actually, he's he's Indian, and he has from his culture, he has a different way of negotiating as well. And his language was a lot of what inspired me. So since Mark has read Ramit Sethi's advice, he'd be a hard person to negotiate. But I will say that I've negotiated with. Time Warner now Spectrum. (laughs) I've negotiated with Time Warner before and basically just used my same negotiation skills to be able to do that and to say like, I'm going to cut off cable if you don't get to the price I need. And they get in trouble if someone cuts it because they have to keep as many customers as possible just for audience numbers, nevertheless revenue. So (laughs) I use that every once in a while. Um, Not as much with like international travel because like I want to give an artist what they deserve for their art. But I've used it in places I don't even want to tell you.
0: <laughs> I, I've negotiated with hotels, traveling on the road, ah. because I love to do road trips. So my whole thing is like, I love road trips. And sometimes we'll just go and like, I'll call a hotel from the road. I'll be like, hey, you know, we're coming in. If you have something like, you can negotiate pretty much with anyone. And it becomes, it's a little easier for me. I've lived all over the world and I lived in like Israel and countries where it's okay to barter. So for me, it's a culture
1: and, thing for a lot of people. It's a culture people. thing.
0: So um, in the beginning, it was really hard for me to do it, but then I realized, oh, everybody's flexible because I had my own business. I realized that people barter with me, and I was like, wait, I can barter with people, and I can also like negotiate with people. And you can negotiate with your gym. You can negotiate. Everything's with everything. a
1: conversation. You just have to like not be scared to have it because what's going to happen? You asked and you didn't get it, or you ask and you get it. Like, I just had another student who uh, got an offer from a company, and she was so scared to ask for more. And she just came back and said, you know, is there any way that we can get between this and this range? And within 30 seconds, it was $5,000 more. And I said to her, you made $5,000 in five minutes, like, in a conversation. Just ask.
0: Just try, ask. Well, speaking of asking, right, uh, what is your advice for people who want to get in front of their uh, dream mentors or dream recruiters, right? Yes. Because there are always agencies that you want to work for, and you're like, how do I get to these people? I don't know them, they don't know me, and if I send something out on like a site, it just goes into a black
1: hole. I have a bunch of ideas for this. One thing you can do is if you find out about a company that is growing, like a startup or something like that, There's always ways to like look at it, just look at it with the eye that you're a consumer and figure out what could they be doing to make it better. Sometimes if you just write a CEO and you're like, I really love your product. I have some ideas, one, two, three, three ideas in one sentence each. Like you could get a meeting, you never know. Again, it's just asking. So like there's this tool called Reportive. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's a Gmail plugin. And so I can guess people's emails. So I'll be like john.doe at awesomesauce.com. That didn't work. So maybe it's Doe at awesomesauce.com. Usually you can find those out through looking at press releases to find out an email format, or you can just actually call up the company if they have a phone number. Some companies don't anymore. Um, but you can always find their email address. I
0: also use um, another service that's called Rocketreach. I think it's oh. rocketreach.com. So they do the same thing where they're my LinkedIn profiles. like. I just created a conference, it was like $500,000. It was an amazing conference with a gathering. So I had to go around pitching it to companies and the way I found everybody's email was by connecting with them on LinkedIn, saying hello, which goes into a black hole, or <laughs> going on Rocket Reach and- And that's and great. Info. And I got a lot of really amazing connections out of it.
1: And I'd say that's how you like blind call someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works really well for startups because if you are like, Show your value of giving them ideas and knowing their product ahead of time. That's a really great way to do it. That's one. Two, I'd say that Medium is actually a really great platform. I wrote an article um, (laughs) about interviewing an ad agency where the uh, guy said to me on the phone, you seem like a girl with a lot going on. And I just kind of stopped and I said, what does that mean? And he said, He said, well, I showed your background to another colleague, and he agreed. And I was just like, what? And so I kind of said to him, I was like, is it that I came from a startup and you're scared that, like, people like from startup world, we'll get antsy and like go launch another startup because I'm looking for a place to lead a team and to blah, 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 all that stuff. And the call just felt so gross. And I got off and I was like, whatever. And I was pretty angry. So I wrote a Medium article about it, which you can read if you go, go look on, uh, on, on Medium or go look on, um, I think I posted it on, uh, I don't know. Anyway, it went viral. The point is, is that I got an insane amount of meetings with amazing women off of it. Because I also called out a hero in it, um, which I think was a big deal. I called out Cindy Gallup within my article um, and some advice that she had given. And Cindy was awesome enough to retweet it, and it went even more viral. And then another publication picked it up. Was it Women 2.0 or one of those, I forgot. Um, Picked it up and republished it again, and I got meetings with the most amazing people off of just like, they would tweet me, or or direct message me, or write a comment. And Medium is great, just really quick, here's some best practices that will help you. Use a pop culture image at the top. Um, People click on images, you know that, so like, say that, you I don't know, use Lady Gaga, whatever is gonna capture somebody's attention. Write it like USA Today, Don't dumb it down in terms of the actual content of what you're talking about, but the language, very readable, fifth grade level. Like
0: it it is
1: approachable. Breaking up the font by, you know, different ways of making it more readable, making sure that you take drop quotes that could be tweetable, things like that, and not making it more than a six to eight minute read. It can be one of your best marketing tools. Mm -hmm. I've seen people write essentially a cover letter as a medium post and get jobs off of it. So I would say that. I would say go to networking events that don't belong to you. For example, you said you met me at one club, right? Mm-hmm. I was not a copywriter or creative director, and I was just there because it sounded like an awesome bunch of women, you know?
0: It was an awesome night. We had all these amazing women for marketing.
1: And that's where I met Cindy Galla, Yeah, too. And,
0: and Cindy was on my podcast, too.
1: I saw that. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, if I'm on a podcast that Cindy is on, then I'm, awesome. like, happy. But, yeah, so going back go to networking events that you don't belong to because then you're like an interesting person in the room that i'm not walking around asking people for jobs even though like i come from an integrated marketing perspective or integrated marketing background and of course i take on copywriting jobs but i've never had the title of creative director at that point, actually, since then I have. But it's kind of a title that we end now throw around like crazy. But I think, you know, going in there and and being able to just be a different person in the room that didn't belong. So, like, if you're a writer, go to a UX meetup. You know, like, it, you never know what will come out of it. Um,
0: which, which ties back into diversity. Sorry to interrupt. You know, diversity, get out of your comfort it's zone. It's so important. Like- it's
1: really important to, A, also, I tell people this is my, like, tricks for networking find an event that only has speakers or a panel no bar things no oh I because bar things like besides hearing especially my female entrepreneur students who like get hit on and like don't know whether like funding is going to come from it and like like that never does um and like so I tell people I say go to a networking event make sure it's with speakers or panel people that you want to talk to that you've researched that you want to talk to and put your like brand cardigan I don't care if it's hot outside or cold outside put it one you maybe don't care about in case it's stolen I don't know probably won't be stolen put it on a seat Walk around. Do not go to where the bar is. Bar is transactional. Um, Food is actually social, so you can go to where the food is to talk to people. But if they're getting a drink, you're going to lose them because they just want to get a drink. Um, Walk up. Introduce yourself to those top people and just say, I'm so excited to hear you speak today. Then don't ask for a card. Don't give them a card. All that stuff. Then be that person in the audience that asks the smart question. Because you will be remembered for asking the smart question as opposed to being that person who just needed to stand up and hear their voice we all know that person and that doesn't really help you with networking at all or people liking you um so ask a smart question and then afterwards you're gonna have that person who's sitting next to you who like wants to network immediately as it ends i always and i know this is going to sound kind of bitchy in the beginning but it's with reason i say to the person so good to meet you, I have to catch my friend before she leaves, I'll be right back. And I usually do go back to that person if they're still there, but I beeline my way to the panel and shake every single one of them, their hands and they remember the question I asked and I do not ask them for a business card, I do not give them a business card, I reach out to them afterwards through one of those ways that we talked about. So I ended up getting to like sit in Cindy Gallup's apartment with her for three hours talking about everything from advertising to s and I mean, like, and I feel so lucky for that moment. And, you know, Cindy has a million fangirls, but it was, I reached out to her and I, you know, I wasn't asking her for a job. And I think that that made a genuine conversation that could lead to other things. And she's been a very helpful Um, inspiring mentors since that and you know and when I say mentor I also say to people like have a board of directors which was something that they talked about there how important it is to know people who do different things than you because essentially like say you want a job at Glossier and it's a job in content right it would help to know the UX person at Glossier right Mm -hmm. so like just because they don't know they don't have the same job as you they actually can help you even
0: more What are some tips you can give to people who are starting their new job? Uh, When they're starting the job or they're negotiating for the job? They're negotiating for the job. Oh, okay.
1: Yes. So I usually tell people, first, you know, I tell people to, it depends if it's coming through networking or it's coming through like applying. I have a special way that I teach people during private sessions of how to get the attention of a company. We have to remember now, HR people are probably between 24 and 28. Let's be honest here, not the high level people, but your average first contact that you talk to, right? So they're just like us. They're time starved and attention poor, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to speak to them in a new way than the old cover letters used to. So now it's, hi, I'm Allison. I'm thrilled to apply for Glossier. Here are the three reasons why you should hire me. One, two, three. They're all bolded and underneath, it explains my past wins that relate." to what they want for that job. So it's a certain format that I give everybody and I also make them tailor their resumes and their stories based upon that job because also saving job descriptions from other companies is super important because some companies are better at writing it than others. So you can use that language that some company who was better at it and spit that right back out to Glossier. And it's, it's really important. And also don't just save links take the whole copy and start putting it into a Google Doc because it will help you build everything. It's language. So speaking exactly what you want to, those, want to offer to those people. The more upfront, don't talk about money. If they say to you, what are you looking for? You always will say, you know, I really don't think it's important to talk about that at this moment. Right now, I want to make sure it's a good fit for you and a good fit for me. And I'm sure that we'll find something that makes everybody happy. And they might push again, you know, and you can say, you know, really my interest is the most is meeting the team, hearing about the goals. I don't think that's the first priority. And, and if you have the time to prove your value in the beginning and you don't have to say the money, then they will have invested this much time and money bringing you in over and over again. And at that point, it's negotiable. Like they already love you. And so if you can get away with not saying that word, If they push you, which there's a new rule in New York City, they cannot ask you what you were making in your last job. I don't know what other states have that, but my classes, I've always told people to get around that. But if they push you, you can say, according to my research, which you should research from Glassdoor, you should research. There's infographics out there, just Googling to find out salary bans for things. um, And you should... Definitely look at all of those things and say, according to my research, for a position like this with someone with my skills and experience wins and what I've done in the past, I believe the range should be between X and X and I should be on the higher end of the range because X, X and X. And you've just explained your value and you're not being aggressive, you know, you're just like, you know, I should be between that. And you say it very calmly. A lot of it is about tone, you Mm -hmm. know. And when when you say that, it usually just leads to an interview like you gave a fair range. So that's that's the best way to handle it. Don't just spit out a number and always give a range so that you have some flexibility to work with. Also that helps if you are interviewing for multiple jobs and you want to play them up against each other and get more money, a range is always necessary.
0: And you also have a quote that says, you can always spend less or you can always make more. Yes. And I wanted to ask you two more questions, like this question and the next one, which is why do most people think of cutting costs first instead of actually going to oh a job gosh. that pays more? Yes. So, or a life
1: that pays more, if that Very makes nice. sense too. So there's a million articles that we get that are like, and, and I I wrote an article for Bustle, but like they're the kind of people, Bustle, Refinery29, all those places, will write these articles that are like, here, like, skip your latte. Here's all the ways that you can cut little costs in your life. All right, guys, you could stop having your morning coffee or you could... Stop getting gel nails. By the way, I should because they're really cool right now. Um, anyway, um, going back to what we were saying. Um, asking for more asking money for more instead of cutting, costs. Instead of cutting costs. Because it really doesn't do anything. Going back to that girl that I just talked about who asked for $5,000 more in 30 seconds. She got $5,000 more. In five-minute conversations, people can make $15,000 more on average from my class. That's the average. So, because they already undervalued themselves to begin with. If you don't negotiate on your first job, we talked about that, $600,000. If you negotiate $5,000 more on your first job, it means tens of thousands of dollars in your lifetime. It's so important to be able to understand your value and what life makes you happy. Because one of the other things I have a lot of students come in who are consultants at places like Bain or Accenture or went to law school and don't want to be a lawyer. And I have to like say like, here, we had to make a happy life for you, right? So if you, this has no purpose and you really want to go to a startup, let me tell you what you might trade out and how to deal with equity versus money versus your time and your life. Like, when you start out at $80,000 when you're 22 at a one of these big consulting firms that recruited you when you were a junior in college, you can get really lost from knowing what you want to do with your actual life. So, like I said, I try to help people live the life that works for them and will make them happier. That does have to do with negotiating more money. I think you're happy if you get to have that, you know, matcha tea in the morning, like Screw giving up your matcha tea. Like I love my matcha tea and I, Can figure out whether it's through side hustles or whatever, or a higher salary somewhere, or a better negotiation of a contract somewhere for a contract work. I have I have startups that I'll freelance for that I'll make the amount of money in three weeks that I usually would make in three months. But I have to kill myself doing it. But it's worth it.
0: Or you like cut costs. Like I'm like you know what? I'm just gonna cut my shoe budget. Like I have like two pairs of shoes, and like I'm rocking my Nikes that I've had for like. Ever. You know just like because I know that like I need a pair of dress shoes and I need a pair of work shoes And then I, I like to work out so I have like two or three pairs But like you cut things that you're like, what do I what am I not gonna miss? But I am gonna miss that matcha in the morning.
1: It's silly to there's certain things Obviously like if you buy everything that's on of a kind every day, you know, you have a problem <laughs> but if you can figure out how to make the fair amount of money at your job like it's Fair. unbelievable. There is the right
0: question. Yes. We're um, not talking about Yeah. I
1: mean, it's interesting. Like I watched Cindy Gallup's information about negotiation. And one of the things she says is like, say a number that's so big, you can't laugh or, or you'd laugh out loud right underneath you'd laugh out loud mm-hmm. saying, I kind of don't agree with that. Um, and I've said this before. Um, you should look at a range. You should be able to back it up with business, but there is a way like there's advertising jobs where men are making three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, where the woman is making
0: two hundred, and she's like, "Yes, I'm making two hundred k." But and you know, those dudes hire women like me to come in and get the job done. So it's so true because um, we're so we're doers. We're doers. So we're- in the end, it's like men men managing women who come in and get stuff done it is
1: it is is. is. not to say that there aren't great men out there and there and and there are advocates for there are men who are advocates for women in the workplace as well just like that story told you about the guy who helped that woman get the raise she deserved he didn't he only helped by facilitating a conversation she had to do the right thing first by saying that's a good place to start but I think, you know, there are people who will advocate out there. And I get really frustrated right now in this moment, watershed moment for women. You know, there are still good guys out there. And what and I've been... I
0: with so many yes, I love them. And
1: I've been telling people, I'm like, okay, if I give advice to anybody, I'm like, I think I put this up on my Instagram. I was like, don't be a dick and don't pull out your dick. That's it. That's what you need to worry about right now, guys. Like, if you want to help moving forward... That's what you do, because look at what all these situations are. And like when we villainize all men, especially all white men, when we do that, then we're not helping with getting towards, you know, a place where we can all work together and be equal in leadership or pay. We're just making the divide worse, just like a reflection of our country right now.
0: we got to run. And my final question is, what is your dream as an adult? My dream to make the finishing
1: school something that I don't have to have another side gig on the other side, that it's my full gig to be able to help women get over those manners we learned and
0: kick ass in the world. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation podcast. It's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love. Share it with your friends. Have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.